0: So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual, zero, nothing. Here we go, on, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're having a good week. Welcome to your Wednesday. You know, I um I got to the United States last Friday, and when I got here, one of the best, one of the best songs came on. I think it's from Ratatouille, but I didn't realize when I first heard it. Do you know this? I love a bit of French music. It's something about just not understanding what people are saying. To be fair, it could just be that Australian or English music at the moment's a bit a little bit shit maybe. But listen. Huh? Ratatouille! How nice is that? I love it. There's a there's a chick I do comedy with um Gemma her name is she's an absolute champion and she she does uh an Edith Piaf cover I think her name is and the covers are, are unreal I don't know what it is I don't know what year that song I just showed you is from but it sounds like it's got a little bit of a, a 1950s vibe about it. it just it sounds like it's coming at you from a place of just a little bit like a little bit of a calmer place do you know what I mean Songs these days seem so in, so intense there There's too much bruh. I feel like once you start chucking in in the in the songs. There's just there's not enough attention being paid to lyrics I, stu- I still play the songs, but I just I've got more of an appreciation for, for that ratatouille kind of music Anyway, I'm coming at you from a, from a spare room of My my in-laws house here in Oregon in the United States. We got here last Friday we only just got here, I tell you that much. We, we almost, seriously, we almost didn't get it. Not just for the sake of a good story on the podcast. We, for those of you, you've been listening for a little while. It's been so hard to get out of Australia because the, because the vaccine requirements. And if you haven't had the vaccine, you have to have a really good excuse or a, a really good letter to be able to be here. And uh, apparently I had, I had neither of those. So we, we had the flights booked and we are flying with United originally. So last Wednesday we were supposed to fly out. We got to the Melbourne airport. We got up at four thirty. We we drove an hour and a half. We had our in-laws drive us down and got to the airport at six and, and went to the United Gate and we were we were thinking, man, it's amazing how few people are here. Like there was just there was no one there. And we're like, Oh man, look how organized we are. This is the perfect start to the trip. Let's go get a coffee. We'll walk back with Charlie. We'll have a nice smooth flight, obviously on a little boy. It's gonna be incredibly difficult for him to be able to travel this far and we thought, All right, we'll just do whatever we can to make the journey easier, not only for us, but also for him. And so we went and we went and got our coffee. We walked back to the gates and, and this is this is where the problem started. The, the United Lady, she was waiting at the desk. I said, Hey, it's quiet this morning. She goes, Your flight's been cancelled. And I was like, all right, this is this is gonna get emotional because my wife had been so excited to to see her brother. And the thing was, there was until ten days earlier, we didn't realise we were allowed to we didn't think we were even allowed to go. And so we were at we were at our church and Jesse started talking to a lady there going, Hey, I know a doctor who can give you a legitimate exemption, you'll be able to speak to him, he'll be able to get you across the border, he'll be able to get you out of Australia. And we thought, oh no, like surely we've missed something. And her parents were flying in on the same exemption. Uh, A couple of days after this conversation so we we thought all right well what we'll do we'll see if they get in and then from there we'll uh, you know we'll either pursue it or we'll just we'll just leave it be we thought we don't want to go getting ourselves in trouble we're only doing it if we can if we can do it legitimately and so and so her parents got in and we thought all right we've got 10 days to get this baby going so Jessie she was she was doing everything she could to to try and get us here Um, There was so much paperwork admins not a strong point of mine I planted a cucumber once it grew as a carrot It's, uh, details, details. I'm not, you know, that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say is details aren't a strong, a strong point for me. Uh... And so with a little bit of that context, you can, uh, hopefully you can understand the, the disappointment that she had. So we got there, she goes, your flight's canceled. We go, what do we do? She goes, we'll get you on connecting flights. So she goes, what we'll do, we've got you on a connecting flight. You're going to fly, uh, uh, you're going to go from Virgin. You're going to go with Virgin to Sydney. And then from Sydney, you'll go with Qantas from uh, Sydney to LA. So we thought, all right, we'll go across to Virgin. Virgin said, yep, your flight's good. Went across to Qantas. This is the thing. Qantas are an absolute disgrace of an airline. If you, If you want to talk about an airline which is just the pinnacle of virtue signaling, Qantas is it. Whatever, as long as it tries to make themselves look as though they're doing what the majority of people want, as long as they look as though, I think in their minds, as long as they're doing what they feel the majority of people want, they'll they'll go along with it. Like If the majority of people said, look, gays aren't allowed to fly on this airline, they would say, well... You know, unfortunately, we need to make a stand for straight people and say gay people are no longer allowed on this air. It's not because they think what they're doing is right. It's because they, you they, know, yeah, essentially, if there's a bunch of kids in the classroom at school and 10 of them are calling you a pussy because you won't kiss another boy, you go, all right, I better kiss him because I don't want to be a pussy. So they're, they're saying, that, hey, that was a weird, that was a weird kind of analogy. I'm not sure I went with boy. Like there's a lot that you could read into that. But essentially, Qantas are a, they're just a disappointing airline. And I've realized that more than ever over the last couple of years. But we got to Qantas, we showed them our exemptions, we showed them the letter from our doctor to say why we're exempt. And she said, no, unfortunately, you can't use this letter because it's not signed by our own doctor. I said, well, how about bring your doctor out? Like, just bring your doctor outside, uh, show him. we'll show him the letter, and then uh, he can sign off on it. And then we can either go or we can't. They go, no, the doctor's in Sydney. I said, well, we're about to fly to Sydney. They said, no, you, you have to fly on one of our flights in order to be able to get the document signed. So I go, so there's, it's just a no-go. It, like, we just can't get the document signed today. They said no. So we're like, all right, went back to United. United said, all right, we'll get you. Uh, they somehow, Virgin took us to Sydney. And then they connected us on a Hawaiian Airlines flight. And we had the same problem. We're about to. So we're in Sydney. We're about to check into our flight. And the Muppet, the arrogance of this Muppet, he came up to us, we had our letters, and he goes, this doesn't look like a legitimate letter. It was. He goes, it doesn't look legitimate. I said, well, it is. He goes, okay. He goes, it doesn't fit the CDC's guidelines for you to get to America. I said, well, it, it does. We've, we've looked at this very closely. Just have a, have a look through it. And so he started looking through it, and he said, it needs a letterhead. Okay, there's a letterhead just here. He goes, it needs to explain in detail... And spe- he goes, it needs to explain specifically what your medical exemptions. for. I go, well, it's just there. He goes, it needs to be signed off by a doctor. I go, that's just there. He goes, it needs to be dated with a phone number directly to the doctor. And it had all that. He goes, unfortunately, it still doesn't meet the requirements. I go, mate, it, it does. Like, I actually don't. I could see Jesse. Because I, I can't necessarily fight. I've never been in a fight. But in those moments, I feel as though I can, which is a dangerous thing, I'm sure. I've listened to enough Joe Rogan to know. Uh, that there's enough people out there like me who just get angry and think they can fight and come up against a black belt in jiu-jitsu who happens to be skinny uh, and it gives them the confidence they can beat but they they never can and so this guy said no you're not getting on the flight and this is the thing because these people have the power to be able to dictate whether you get on or you don't get on you can't really argue back because you just start looking like that bloke you know they they just call security and say get out of here so he sent us back to our hotel we uh, uh we thought we'd come back for one last shake in the morning and then Went to the United flight in the morning, showed him our exemption, said, do you need the letter from our doctor? She goes, we just saw your exemption. What we need that for? And, and let us on the flight. Uh, so we flew from Melbourne to Sydney, then Sydney to LA, LA to San Fran, San Fran to Medford. As a result, we had, we got a kid who's, who's not stoked at the moment. He was, we had a moment actually in San Fran. We were about to get on the last flight, just 54 minutes. And what made it worse was Charlie was, he was asleep on my chest. And we walked into the terminal and he looked, he looked so cute. He looked as though he was a little cute fella. And people were looking at him going, man, like, that's a beautiful kid. And one lady even said to me, she goes, that is a sweet kid. And I said, thank you very much. He's a nice, he's a very nice kid. Like, he's just, he's very tired, as you can see. And I'm, I made the rookie error of going, hey, I need to go to the toilet. We've got 10 minutes to get on the flight. Charlie had barely slept in 35 hours, 40 hours. So I said, Jesse, you hold the little man. I'll go to the toilet, come back. But when we passed him over, Charlie woke up and... I mean, I'm not happy at the best of times when I when I just wake up. I need 15 minutes just to calm down, to get my bearings. Kids, this guy, he had the meltdown of meltdown. You know those meltdowns where you'll see a parent and you'll see the child misbehaving in their presence and you go, what is the matter with this parent? There's legitimate mental issues in this parent for them to believe that that they're a good fit to raise a child. And, and I used to judge these people frequently. I would see them and I'd go, I would never be like that with my son. I see them and I go, all right, well, you just need you need to be a person like me who actually knows how to, how to raise a child. And I judge them. I judge them harshly in my mind. And, and I think about, you know, I don't quite go to physical violence, but I think about things I'd love to say to them because you don't deserve to have a kid if your kid can't just function. And so we had one of those moments and and, and man, the tide turns when it's when it's on your when it's on your side of thing. because I knew the context I knew he hadn't fly, slept for 45 hours and I was trying to explain that to everyone in the airport everyone who came past and they just gave me like a polite smile but I used to do that polite smile as well it means like shut that fucking kid up because I'm going to kill him That's what it means and they'll give me that smile that I used to do and anyway we are about to get on the flight and thank god little boy he calmed down a little bit and and there was a lady just giving me that smile. She gave me a smile and I said, hey, that's a smile I used to do when I just wanted to kill someone else's kid. She goes, oh. "She goes, funny story, me and my husband are actually trying to conceive and uh, we did see your boy crying five minutes ago and we made the joke, hey, let's, let's maybe put the brakes on. And I thought, well, you know, I, I, I wish I had seen this before. I wish I knew this was relevant to my life because otherwise I would have hit the brakes as well because this is this is unacceptable and I've got another one on the way so um, you know Jesus take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. But we got here. He slept that whole last flight. Meant he's still, he's still a little bit out of it. You know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of time telling you a story about my kid who, who you don't know or care about. Because the truth is, no one, no one really cares about other people's kids. Do that. I like if you introduced me to your kid, I'd, would, I'd would pretend to be interested to your face. But the truth is, deep down, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that interested unless you were, even family. Sometimes, I sometimes see my family, and I go, I don't, I don't have anything in common with you. I don't want to watch Power Rangers I'm 35 years old I got over that seven years ago you know I was I was a little bit late to stop with things like Power Rangers but I'm still over it and seven years ago is a long time seven years ago was before the kid who is showing me the Power Ranger was even born so it means I've not liked it for for longer than he's actually liked it but we got here and we got here just in time for my brother-in-law's 30th birthday party which was which was good I was so excited to meet his family and uh, we we're at the back just having a having a drink and, you know, some sausages or whatever they had with a whole heap of people. And, and you know, I was supposed to do, husbands out there. Do you ever have those moments where your wife goes, hey, you're watching the kids and you see, like you hear the words and you say yes, which is the right thing to say. But then you immediately forget about what you'd promised to do. And I had one of those moments where, where I blame the jet lag. Maybe it was, it was the jet lag. Jesse came up and she goes, "Hey, you watching the kids?" I go, babe, of course. Of course, he's, he's my boy. I'd never lose sight of him, especially with the mood that he's in." She goes, "Thanks, baby. You're a good man." I said, "I do my best for you and the family." And she said, uh, "All right, I'll go have a drink." Anyway, fifteen minutes later, she was looking at me through through the the kitchen window, looks out onto the backyard. She could see I wasn't paying attention at all to the kid because I'd forgotten about the fact that not only I was supposed to be paying attention to him, but also that I, that we even had a kid. I'd forgot. I I thought we were bachelor. I thought I was a bachelor again. Um, you know, I was trying to put in some sweet talk with one of uh, one of a family friends, just to see if I still had it. You know, just tuck the wedding ring into the pocket, just to see. I I would never follow it up. I just wanted to know if I still if I still had what it what it took. And I was rusty, and I was talking to a man, which was which was a rough point. I think that's probably where I went wrong because the attraction wasn't there. Um, you got to be careful with jokes like this because some people don't know that you're joking. You say it too seriously, and the word gets back to your wife that you're making. Are fair jokes and they never go down well and and i've promised myself after after every podcast that i'll stop and yet here we are once again making the same jokes but she was right she came around she goes are you watching charlie i go babe i forgot we had a kid and and she looked over my shoulder and charlie no joke he had another little kid pinned down on the ground and he was just slapping slapping in the face and so wh- what i'm trying to say is I, I just don't know what to do here there's there's some behavioral issues taking place in the life of my kid and I don't want to be responsible for it. I'm not sure what to do. We, we introduced the flick because we were a kind of family that for the, the first year and a half, we, we thought, well, we're not going to smack him. We're not that kind of family. But then but then I'll tell him off and he just laughs. He just laughs at your face and he's like, I don't, I'm not scared of you. And so so I started introducing the flick. He was in the kitchen the other day, banging the cupboards. And I said, well, you're getting flicked. So I flicked him on the head. No joke. He looked at me and he goes, ha, ah. And, and then he pissed himself laughing. There's something there's something going on in my kid where he's not afraid to to piss himself laughing at the punishment. So I guess what I'm saying is, hey, pray for me and my family, would you? <laughs> pray for, because we we're here for six weeks, and if uh, if my boy Charlie starts punching his cousin Charlie, that was a that was an error in naming, wasn't it? You don't name your cousin's the same name, especially if you're the kind of family that spend a lot of time with each other because every time I say Charlie, two kids come, in, come running at me and it's just, it's confusing and we're only five days in. But it's awkward because we wanted to come here and show off how well behaved our kid is. All he wants to do is punch the daughter of the of the family that we're staying with, which is, you know, which is highly emotional. I went out, my, uh, my brother-in-law, he's an arborist, which means he, he, he works on trees. He's like a tree doctor, I think they say. He's a doctor of trees, and man, there's a, lot, there's a lot of trees here in America, especially in Oregon, where we are. Like, outside right now, of, I can see a palm tree. I, I, I'm not even going to try and name them, because the only one I know uh, is a palm tree. I think that's poison. I'm not sure. But anyway, I went out on the road with him yesterday to do a whole heap of quotes, and uh, it was, I, I tell you, it was, a, it was a bloody adventure. We went to, so we went to one guy's house. His name was, actually, I went, yeah, his name was Spot. It, it's legal over here, so it's not a big deal. Semi, so he gave the quote. And we were getting on like a house on fire. He started showing us photos of of deer that he had hunted, of bears that he had hunted, and uh, he's telling me about guns. In in other words, I was I was way out of my depth. I had nothing to contribute to the conversation. And then, as as we were about to leave, he goes um, he goes Hey, come downstairs. I'll show you. I'll show you my basement." And I was like, "This is interesting. We're gonna get raped for sure." <laughs> like he's roofied our water, and uh, and this is this is sort of where it ends. But it was gonna be a nice way to go because Spot was a good guy and um you know his his basement was comfortable his house was beautiful up in up in jacksonville and so he took us down there and and we were just getting along he was showing us his woodwork and then just as it not woodwork as in you know i just made it sound like we're about to get raped i didn't want you to think woodwork was a pun for the old for the old shalom because that's that's (laughs) it's not what i meant i was more just referring to the woodwork he'd made some fish he had made a i don't know what else he'd made but as we were about to leave he's like hey boys He's like, yeah, you guys, you guys smoke dope, uh, which which we don't at all, but we wanted to impress, spot so we said, yeah, we do. He goes, hey, he goes, I've just uh, I've just harvested twenty five pounds. I don't know what that is in kilos, but I think it's like twelve or fifteen. He goes, do you want some? And my brother in law goes, he does because he, he was there with his business shirt on. <coughs> you can't be accepting marijuana from a from a bloke when you're there to do business. He's just giving him his wife a quote to to remove their tree and and rather than just taking that quote and getting to work you've gone into the basement and started talking about you know drug deals though legal you've started talking about drug deals with with the husband of this wife which it's always risky business because there's double standards a lot of the time what's acceptable to the man is not acceptable to the woman so he gave us look at this I, it's legal over here so i think it's actually fine and it's also it's interesting to me but he gave us he goes, look, I, I don't know how much to give you, but look at this. He's a bad, bad man. I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, so I just, I took it, I thanked it, and I had to bring it in here. And because this whole, this whole room right now just smells like, uh, it smells like what Bob Marley Studio would have smelled like, which is uncomfortable because I don't I don't want Sam getting in trouble. I don't even know what we're going to do with it. It's just there. So I'm not, I'm not convinced anything's going to happen, but it's, it's all taped up in my bag. Uh, but what an interesting experience. He gave us two backstraps of, of deer that he had shot and, and a bag of marijuana. So, Spot, thank you very much. This is what I love about people. Like, I, I love about the, the work that Sammy does is you, you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you think you're there just quoting trees and how much it's going co- to cost to get the branches removed. And all of a sudden, Spot's, you know, making drug deals with you. He bought out, I'm not kidding, he bought out a bag. It was it was a massive garbage bag like it was it was all sealed and i reckon those little those little nug things that i just showed you i reckon there would have been 10 let's say let's say 5000 of those to be on the safe side and he had four bags of that and he said look when you when you come out here in a few weeks to to actually do the work for what you've just quoted us we'll you know we'll touch base again i'm saying this look i'm i'm going to be honest with you i've i've never been a i'd, I'd never smoked marijuana you know what i mean like i smoked it once and you know things slowed down so much i started seeing patterns in my mind it scared me a little bit i've heard since then you just got to go with the flow but at that time i was thinking why can i see like a colorful baby made of made of cells in my mind that was confronting i just i remember my thoughts being super vivid i thought all right i'm just gonna have to slow down here i'm sure it was laced with acid so i don't know i always get skeptical with people like spot as well i'm like what if you what's he trying to do has he has he done anything to that does this guy get kicks out of of drugging people from a distance? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a trust issue. I spoke to you guys about a coconut that I drank the other day and, and I had the same fear. So it's it's starting to look as though it's it's a trust issue in, in me and other people. But uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on what we do there. We're going on a camping trip soon. Maybe I'll try and bring it along there. But uh, it's actually, it's an embarrassment right now that I'm, I'm going on so much about this because, uh, well, marijuana is not cool anymore, is it? It's not cool because things are more cool when only a few people do it. I Think that's why vintage is cool because if you've got like a pair of Reeboks from from 1970 No one chances are no one has those Reeboks anymore So you can wear it and it appeals just to the people who really likes that that style of Reeboks But if you got the shoes that everyone's wearing well just just due to the sheer volume of them It's like houses if there's a thousand houses available and only 500 people, it's not that cool to live in that neighborhood. But if there's like one house that's got eight bedrooms and a pool and it overlooks the ocean, uh, you know, 500 people want it, but only one gets it. That's cool to get that house. Because essentially life is just about impressing other people, isn't it? You want to, that's why I feel so cool going out with my, with my little lady, because she's way out of my, she's way out of my league. I don't usually admit that in public, but she's out of my league. I know that people tell me regularly, which is a, uh, which is insulting, it's both an insult and a compliment at the same time. It's it's You can't say that to a woman. You can't you can't go up to a woman and say, hey, I just want to let you know that with your husband, you're way out of your league. But for whatever reason, you say that to a man, hey, you're way out of your league, and he has to take it like a champ. In fact, he doesn't even just take it like a champ. A lot of the time, it's a compliment. He goes, yeah, no, I'm dog shit. She's a, <laughs> she's a 10. She's a 10. Even... I mean, you've got to lose a couple of points when you're pregnant. Just between us, you have to lose a couple of points when you're pregnant because just nature takes a it co- It's co- Her personality still beautiful, but weight, like you, you stack on weight a little bit. I know you're not supposed to talk about this these days, and I'm grateful for the work she's doing. Uh, and I shouldn't go on. I always say, she goes, babe, I'm struggling so much. It's so hard being pregnant. I go, look, babe, I just want you to know I'm grateful for what you're doing, but I didn't complain once when I put it there. Do you know what I mean? Like it was, a, sure, it was a quick job. It didn't take me too long to plant. In fact, I think you were asleep when it was planted. You were sound as, You'd had a big day, and you know I was all pent up. I just, you <laughs> she, nah, that's not true. She's, um, yeah, she's she's beautiful. I hesitated a lot there, but I was I wasn't hesitating because I didn't believe what I was saying. I was hesitating because I I know that I've I've found myself deep in a conversation about my wife. You know, being slightly less attractive when she's pregnant, which is which is highly offensive in in the modern age. Yeah, you can't be doing that. It's weird as well. Like one thing I noticed yesterday is, is going out around America is so many people and this is company I think it's the part of America that we're in at the moment as well. We're like I think the the town that we're in right now is so we're in a place called Central Point. I get the vibe that over here Central Point is where a lot of Republican voters live because I, t- I turned the corner the other day and this is what i love i love how i love how fuck you uh, americans are with their political opinions australians are uh, like we're pussies really like we're very it's maybe it's not that we're pussies maybe it's just we're, we're, we're overly polite and it's very rare to see someone blatantly just share their opinion on on politics really there's a there's a house across the road here this is a tr- across my heart there's no exaggerations taking place here there is a there's a house across the road here. It's got three flags that they're Trump. It's got two Trump flags and in the middle it's got one that says, fuck Biden. Which I thought was funny. Like I thought, okay, hey, whatever. Like this guy's just sharing his political opinion. And uh, I thought oh, that's pretty out there. And then and then Sam, my brother in law told me, he goes, That's a that's a child's daycare. <laughs> You can't, yeah. I just thought my my little boy is. He goes to a daycare, which is a complete opposite. They, it's a very lefty PC daycare where they do all the things you're supposed to do. They're very Qantas about the way they act, and uh, which is fine. Like you got to do what you got to do. But I love the fact that not only is it a daycare, but they look busy. There's still people rocking up each morning, just dropping their four year old kid off there, despite this sign. Then uh, 400, not even that, 200 meters down the road here, we turned the corner when we first got here. There's a there's a let's go let's go Brandon flag. I thought it was going to be more tense here, to be honest. I thought people were going to be more pent up, but it seems it seems fairly relaxed. I, I don't know what I... I guess it depends where you go. I know San Fran's got a reputation for being interesting. I watched that documentary the other day, What is a Woman? It's on the Daily Wire. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's a, a big... Qu- I didn't think it would be that interesting because I've always just said, when people say, what is a woman? I just say it's the one who does the dishes. That's... <laughs> Which again, you can't say anymore. But it's funny if you say it to the right people. Um, I hope you're the right person. I really do. Otherwise, you honestly turn it off because things are only going to get worse from there. It's just, uh, I I often apologise for saying the wrong thing and then continue to say the wrong thing. So I'm not sure how legitimate my apologies are. But uh, yeah, in that in that documentary, they they went down to San Francisco and they were doing some interesting interviews with people. It, it's a that's an interesting place to be. I thought Melbourne was bad, but but San Francisco is, is a little bit Melbourne on steroids. It's interesting to see how people view Australia at the moment as well. So many people—I'm I'm not kidding—like I reckon about five separate people have said to me since I've been here, "Dude, how'd you get out of Australia?" I go, "What do you, what do you mean? I flew." They go, "Yeah, dude, but you're, like your government lost control, like you and the Chinese." Yeah, I was like, "Well, <laughs> that's not a that's not a comparison I'm comfortable with." But I guess it's. I guess it's warranted at this point in time because, I mean, you see people shooting ru- rubber bullets at civilians and uh, they're dressed in hazmat suits and they've got tanks out there to unarm civilians. Maybe in America where they've actually got guns, but in Australia we we might have a BB gun and a pea shooter. Uh, there's no need for, for that kind of force, but people were shocked. People were shocked that I, I got out of there and they're like, man, yeah, I've been praying for your country. Like You guys have... You guys are really gone down. here. I was like, "Wow." Because in Australia, it's it's really easy to justify. We go, "Yeah, no, we're just doing we're doing what we should be doing to help out. We well, help out the rest of humanity. We've we you know, COVID's been dangerous and as a result, we've got to protect everyone." And we get here and they're like, "Dude, that's why, you know, that you shouldn't let them take your guns." Like if you had your, if you had your guns, that like you'd be able to stand up to this. That's a mindset that Australians I just don't think we really understand. These guys here, I love their passion for freedom. They're just they're little freedom fighters. They're over the top, they're out there, they're they're blatantly like I don't know. You just can't be more blatant. I never used to like Americans that much when I was a kid, because I just I didn't like their arrogance and how good they thought they were. Then I got here and I was like, Yeah, you've got a lot to be arrogant about. Apart from your roads, their roads are questionable. I feel like they're their roads are maybe the one thing in the country down. There's so many cracks in the road. It looks like an earthquake's just done, done like a mild attempt to to tear them up. The neighborhoods here are strange as well. You you drive down one street and it might be beautiful. You take the next street and it's just ice addicts everywhere. I went to the swimming pool yesterday. We were just trying to do a couple of laps, and uh, we got there and there was just a there's a bloke with you know those ice scratch marks all over his face just sitting at reception. Go, how can we help you? I, like, I just want to use the pool he goes the pool's closed i go why are you still at reception he's like it's my job i said but this is only a pool he's like uh-huh i go well, if the pool's closed you probably you could go home he's like i decide my hours was, all right hey you open tomorrow he's like well we're open every day i go you open right now he goes no nope. okay go, we're gonna like what time are you open he goes we open when we open okay mate this is, i'm just trying to go for a swim I'm just trying to get over the jet lag and do a little bit of exercise. Can you just? Can you just? You, you're 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 employed to work here. Americans are funny as well because they've got a reputation. I was speaking to my uh, my brother-in-law, and he goes, he's lived here for ten years, and he goes, one thing you'll one thing you'll notice is that like America is. To a lot of Americans, it's all they need. Like it is the be-all and end-all. It's the it's the go-to place. Like if you if you if it's not in America, why do you need it? And I thought oh, they can't be that true. Like surely they've got. And obviously this is a massive stereotype, but obviously they've got uh, they've got knowledge outside of outside of America. But I, I went to an open mic comedy night last night, and uh, and when I was at the open mic comedy night, I, I I met this guy and he goes he goes, dude, where are you from? I said, Australia. He's like, nice, man. I've been to Samoa before. And I go, ah, oh, <laughs> it's sweet. What's going on in Samoa? He's like, not much, man. He's like, do you like it there? I was like, dude, I've, I've never been. He's like, wait, I thought they were like, they're not the same. I was like, no, no. Like, Samoa is a country. Australia is a country. He's like, dude, all right. Crazy, man, huh? I guess you learn something every day. <laughs> it's like, I guess, I guess we all learn a little bit each day. Another person the other day said I'm from Australia and he said Is that at New York. I said, not really. It's not that close to New York at all, actually. Actually, I think we're further away from New York than, than we are to you. My brother-in-law got asked a few years ago whether there's rivers in Australia, which I thought was an interesting one. Is there rivers in Australia? Yeah, mate. Do you guys use the Australian dollar? No, no, mate. I wish I was that, like, I wish I was that blind, blinded by my own country. I agree. I think America's the greatest country in the world now. I think that's official. Surely that's official. I mean, it's got its, it's got its little issues, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have much to back up that claim apart from, I don't know, apart from the fact that, like, think of everything good. Think of everything good. Movies, music. I know these days that's arguable. But until a couple of years ago, I felt like we could make a, a pretty good point out of that. I think I just love I think I think just love that passion. I love I love that passion for the country. But anyway, I'm not sure. I've been here four days. What do I know? I'm acting like I'm a local here. I don't know much about this place at all. Yeah, so this comedy show last night was at a place called Johnny B's. And I got to Johnny B's and just think it was going to be... I got there at 7.30 because I thought I'd better be organized. The guy said it would start at 8.00. 9.20 it got started. And there was a lady out before me. Her name was Genesis... She did so. Open mic comedy. Generally, you're gonna do you're gonna do a five minute spot and then just move on. Uh, Genesis. She got up there. It was her second comedy gig ever. She bought seventeen of her friends, and I know that because she said it on stage about fifteen times. Um, and Genesis, she just she just sat on her phone the whole time and read out her jokes like this. She just kept reading out her jokes, and I was like, that, that was horrific. And she was up there for about half an hour. And once she got down, the uh, the MC came over to me, and uh, just before she got down. About 25 minutes before he came up, he goes, dude, you right to go up next? I go, yeah, man, for sure. I'd love to go up next. He's like, all right, we've got a good audience here for you tonight, huh? I go, yeah, we do. Anyway, so Genesis, she finally finished her spot. She got off stage immediately. 15 of the people in the audience got up and, and just started hugging her, saying their goodbyes, laughing. I was on stage. The place was so loud. No one realized I was on stage at this point, which is always a – that's a tough way to – I mean, it's a tough way to, to start a comedy gig when – when you're trying to talk to people who are saying their goodbyes, but I did my best. I'll give it a five out of ten. It was it was a five out of ten, and um, I mean it was good to tick off my internet to kick off the international comedy career. But the truth was, it was uh, I didn't I didn't go as as well as I want, but there's another place tomorrow at uh at some burger joint that I'll go back and have another crack at. So we'll see, we'll see. Surely it's only up from here. There's so many. I knew there was little differences in the accent. I knew there were certain words that were going to be difficult. but I tried to make this joke about walking from my lounge room to my kitchen, and uh, when I said lounge room, the audience's face just went blank. They don't call it a lounge; they call it a couch. So I got off stage, and, and the MC goes, "Dude, what's a what's a lounge room?" I was like, "Oh, dude, it's just where the lounge is." He's like, "What's a lounge?" I go, "It's a couch." He goes, "Okay." Well, I said to the guys, I go, look, did you understand much of what I said? They go, not, not a heap. I said that's good because I was worried it was just the quality of all my jokes that was causing them not to laugh, which I'm sure could have been part of the problem. But truthfully, it was, it was kind of encouraging to know that uh, that they just didn't understand what I was saying so well. There's a real barrier to cross. I feel as an American going to Australia, you wouldn't have too much trouble being understood because because i think a lot of australians like we follow americans pretty closely from sport to politics to everything but as i said americans know nothing about australia and and so and so here we are so i'll keep you posted. i'll let you know next week how it all goes but um yeah man like it's it's been a good couple of days it's weird like the first couple of days i always like when you go to a country you want to you want to get bored in that place don't you you want to be able to get bored and oh that's my goal i don't like just going down to the main street and and just doing all the touristy stuff I like going down and uh, and living like a local and once you get bored in a place I feel like you can get an appreciation for what it's like to live there so I'm not quite bored yet things are still exciting uh, we haven't been to all the local coffee shops yet which we're we're gonna get to but that's the plans over the next couple of weeks I'm impressed I'm impressed by the fact that the people we're staying with they're willing to have us for six weeks because um, I don't know how do you how do you guys go traveling with certain people because I hate the feeling of having to be on the whole time because if you're if you're in that phase where you just feel like you have to be on you know for a fact that things are going to get real tough real quick because because you're going to have your down days and then if you have your down days and you're not on the people that you're traveling with are going to go hey like what what's up today and you that's the that's the universal question just to trigger any anger because you if you're feeling slightly off and someone says hey dude everything okay like that is universal for, uh, all right. Like things are about to go, things are about to go down. I, I think. I don't know. I hate that question. We've got we've got our boy sleeping in our room at the moment as well, which is never a good start. I reckon I've averaged four hours sleep for the last seven nights, which is which is not great for your health. But our our boy, he wakes up and when he sees us, he just he just like so consistently, like it's his little mantra. Just go, mum, 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 and every eight or ten, he'll chuck in a really loud, mum like that, just to, just to get our attention. So I'm hoping that doesn't go on for six weeks because there's no other room for him to stay in. But I think being over here, one of the things I noticed as well, the quality of food in this place is, uh, not, not in this place that we're staying, my, my sister-in-law's a great cook, United States. I, I went out the other day and we just... Um, we ordered some lunch. I thought, you know what? I just need something healthy. I'm gonna get a salad. This salad came out, and it was, you know, had all the good stuff. Had lettuce. It Had everything you need. But they just top it off with a little bit of sugar. You can't have a meal here without without sugar. This one had it had like candy chickpeas. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's chickpeas, but just dipped in melted sugar and dried up. And the worst part was how how delicious they were. Because I can already feel my standard in food slipping. I'm like, usually I'll, I'll be cautious with white bread. Usually I'll be cautious with candy. Usually I'll be cautious with cookie. We did a job yesterday and the lady said, hey, take some cookies with you. I was like, I'm in America. I'm going to have a chocolate chip cookie. That was so delicious that uh, now it's all I can think about. So I think my, my form of discipline, I don't know what you guys like. My form of discipline is just not having anything that can tempt me in the house. So Jesse, she'll always say to me, she goes, baby, you're so disciplined. Like, you just never bring sweet time. I'm like, that, that's the only form of discipline I have. If I don't not bring, if I, if I bring sweet time, they're gone. You know, I got diabetes 100%. I'm already missing my two back teeth. I've got time. i got, I got to make up for when I was young as well because I thought I was the healthiest kid in the world. Do you remember in the 90s, though, like we were told that things were 99% fat free, that that was healthy. Like, if it was fat free, it was healthy. Now it's like, no, no, the ketogenic diet, you just gotta consume all the fat. Like if they take out the fat, then it's unhealthy. Even Time magazine had something where they're like, hey, butter's back, chuck a chuck a butter cube in your in your coffee each morning if you wanna be healthy. Eat bacon. I'm like, surely, surely this can't be right. But I don't know. I fell for the uh I fell for the lie that, that 99% fat free was healthy, but what i didn't realize in my research which i didn't do much of was that once they take the fat out you have to replace it with sugar so my blueberry yogurt each morning was essentially just like a just like a nice cold gluggy bowl of sugar and as a result my teeth got smacked and i just thought i don't know i was trying to figure out why it was that my teeth were constantly getting smacked but it turns out that if you are if you just bombard those teeth with sugar day in day out it doesn't matter if it's 99% fat free your body's going to go actually you know what i don't i don't want to be here anymore so i can't be I can't be falling into that trap anymore because otherwise I get myself in in trouble. People who don't understand my name either. Tyson. People they often they often confuse it. They think I'm saying Tarison. Tarson. Every time you go to Starbucks, which I shouldn't do. I know, don't judge me. Don't judge me for that, but you know, you got to get your coffee where you get your coffee. But every time I go in, they go, "Hey, do you mind leaving a name with that order?" I go, "Yeah, it's Tyson." They go, Tyson? I go, "Tyson." They go, "Oh, like Tarison. I go, "Mate, like Mike Tyson." So I never heard of the guy, and then I spell it, they go, Oh, Tyson. It'd be I think it'd be exhausting to be an American the way they speak, because you have to really enunciate each word. I listen to American conversations sometimes and I go, it's too much. Like there's just there's too much emphasis on saying the words right. Just say roughly. Just say roughly what you want to say. Yeah. I think I think the Australian reputation over here is is changing as well because we've we've tried to promote ourselves as these larrikins. just I think I said this to you before, as these just larrikins. we got no worries in the world. Don't tell us what to do, we do what we want. And then the last two years they've they've just seen footage of us sitting in our lounge rooms because it's it's what we've been told to do. And they're like, Alright, so you're not as you're not as brave as what you thought you were. It's interesting looking at different cultures as well. I think what I like about here, as I said, I love the I love the the freedom attitude here which is funny because I think there's lots of Americans who find that repulsive about their own people but I I love it coming from a uh, you know a place where everyone bites their tongue and says what's not it uh, says what's you know super PC in public um, to come to a place where last night we were at a bar and they were saying jokes where I was a little bit like oh you can't say that I even tried to make a joke about the ozone layer in Australia they're like hey fuck you man the ozone layer is just fine I'm like I actually believe you I think you're right but I just thought Based on a couple of the comments that you made, that you're a little more left leaning, which means that uh, thought you would have liked the old ozone layer joke, but apparently I've misread the crowd, and that's why comedy's been a, a little bit of a struggle. I'm trying to join a gym while I'm here as well. I just want to do a, a, a six week, a six week commitment, but they're all they're all twelve weeks. It's funny just uprooting your life. You got to come over here, get your mobile phone sorted, get your gym sorted. It's like you pretend, to, you pretend to live in a place for a little while. I fall into the mindset of, of thinking this is, this is home a little bit. And I've only been here four days. I, I'm, I'm scared to say, I'm not sure. I think at four weeks, you know, I'll accidentally apply for a visa because I'll, just, I'll be so convinced that this is my new home because it's really a, it's really a lot of effort. Apart from moving out of your house, a six-week trip is, I mean, it's a fair commitment because there's nothing really, like every part of your life that you enjoy you can't just take six weeks away from. That's the strange thing about long holidays. Is at least with a week you can go. Ah, oh, whatever. Like routine, routine. But uh, over here, if you're taking six weeks out, you got to go. All right. Well, I'm going to come home with man boobs and a fat belly if I if I don't keep up a gym workout, especially with these candy chickpeas that I've been eating. So uh, I'm going to go. So I'm going to go try and sort that out today. But exercise, I think, is the hardest one when you when you're traveling because there's just there's so much to do. There's so much to see uh and over here i mean you walk down the street and the the average weight's a little bit larger than than my hometown in Point lonsdale in victoria australia because everything is drive through that one one interesting thing there's a there's a drive through coffee shop here called dutch bros now these guys they're, they've they're all like they're all around the united states they're all over the shop and dutch bros it's a drive through coffee shop and they're not the only one, but Dutch Bros—they seem to have done it well. So it's—it's it's literally you drive through just like a Macca's, and they serve you American-style coffee. So, she, so shit, shit coffee with with heaps of flavouring. These guys, uh, like they—they're now traded on the the U.S. stock market. My sister-in-law works there as a marketing manager or marketing. She's a designer. I, it blows my mind how I want to bring it back to Australia, but for whatever reason, people are happy to get out of their car in Australia. I think the coffee, especially in Victoria, I think the coffee scene there's so good that people are people are much more snobby about it. Coffee is not just a caffeine hit; it's not just about efficiency and getting more work done and staying awake like it is here in America. Because like here in America, I think I think people operate at a fairly high pace as a as a general rule uh, a little more. Even though you like you go into the CBD in Melbourne and, and people are still operating at a pretty high pace, over here I think it's just a little bit more expected. Especially I feel the further east you go, like where the where the accents start to get a little bit more fast paced, uh, the 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 intensity of the work starts to pick up. I guess there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that, but 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 what I'm trying to say is I think caffeine is just used as a tool to, to to get them through their work a little bit more effectively. Whereas in Melbourne we we like to get our. Uh, we can be complete wankers with our coffee. Like we, we treat coffee like those wanker wine tasters treat wine. We'll get out and we're like, oh, you know, I just wanted a, a soy flat white mocha. Do you have a soy flat white mocha? Do you have oat milk? I was just wondering if you had oat milk because my, my gluten intolerances have, uh, have really flared up the last couple of days because my, my body's a little bit out of touch with nature. And I noticed that each year, uh, you know, when hay fever season kicks in, just regular milk's not good for my, my digestion and, and my chakra. It's funny how in, in like a really woke place it's okay to speak like a wanker about your chakras and an Eastern religion, but you you bring up the idea of Christianity and people are like, Oh my gosh, get with the times. Get with the times with this three thousand years old religion that I'm now discovering rather than your, you know, something that just came into to fashion two thousand years ago when when Jesus made his big made his big song and dance. <laughs> Have you noticed that? People go, get with the times. I'm like, hey, apparently your religion's older than mine. They're like, I don't mean it like that. I mean, just do do what I would like you to do. People over here are pretty out there about their Christianity as well. Like I think the, I think most people here, uh, I remember growing up as a, as a kid in Australia, they had church bells which would ring each Sunday and it was like a normal thing to do. I noticed a couple of years ago they don't ring anymore and I don't I don't know if it's just because it was a distraction or a frustration to the locals and they didn't want to get woken up on a Sunday morning by church bells. But I often assume it's because it's just not as well received by by people in the town anymore. I, I just think that people in the town are like, oh you know what? Uh, I want to go do yoga. I don't want to be woken up by church bells. So I find that interesting. Over here, everyone I talk to, man, like I was speaking to someone about his business the other day and I said dude has your like how's your business going he's like dude I've been blessed god's been good I'm like man I like it I like that kind of language He's like god bless you bro oh like, yeah, let's let's bring a little bit of the god bless back what's wrong with some god bless you don't have to be a you don't have to be a christian to to receive a little bit of the lord's blessing Can't we just take it that's beautiful thank you I put that in my pocket walk away feel as though I've been blessed for the afternoon I can tell that kind of stuff rubs off on me quite easily I, I can tell I'm going to be coming home and tell, telling people God bless and you know the Lord's bless me and uh I'm gonna I'm gonna try and bring it back into fashion in Melbourne but I mean we've got it we've got a tough we've got a tough gig there because the old the old Catholic churches has, has touched one too many kids and as a result the idea of, of church is a I was going to say a touchy subject but when you're talking about pedophilia you got to choose a better better turn of phrase than touchy subject because it sounds like you're taking the piss out of the victims which I'm not which I'm not at all. I was just making a uh, just making an observation. I went to a church. I went to a church here just the other day with my brother-in-law. He's a he's a he's a good drummer. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go up to the, the local church and see how they do it here in America. And it's pretty much just like Australia, but just with a little a little bit of sugar on top, a little bit of, a little bit of extra flair. The Americans are how do you how do you explain them? They're surface level very happy, but it feels passive sometimes. Feels a little passive aggressive. Like, it'd be hard work to be an American and be upset. Because you still have to do that. You have to do that fake smile. Yeah, dude, God bless you. Things are doing very good. Things are doing very well. Hmm. I guess Australians are like that a little bit as well. Anyway, ladies and gents, so I uh, I might love you and leave you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go have a little bit of brekkie, get started with my day. We have got a cleaner coming here in fifteen minutes or so, so I better get out of here and uh, go do my thing. But hey, you have a you have a good rest of your week. All right, much love, God bless, as they say here in the the great land of the brave and the free. All right, I'll see you next week.